You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy our guest speaker, Pastor Kevin Queen, as he delivers You Belong to God. Ah, oh, 12 Stone, it's so good to be together, to have you with us across the campuses online. Hey, extend a happy Thanksgiving to the people around you, huh? Here we are, we're in Thanksgiving weekend. Of course, this week, Thursday, and the following great season. I love this time. And this, oh, church, this is just a really precious, meaningful marking day for us because we have Kevin Queen who's teaching today. Come on, brother. Now listen, hold it, hold it back because that's not even the welcome yet. Like, like, like I want you to hold that celebration homecoming for a moment. See, if you're fairly new to us over the last couple years, let me just back it up a little bit. Kevin Queen was uh, part of the pastoral staff here and just anointed in his leadership over student ministry for several years. Uh, the campus pastor at Hamilton Mill, uh, teaching pastor 14 years, right, man? We are doing this stuff together, and the Lord uh, called him to a church in Nashville, Cross Point. They had gone through some real rough waters up there, and uh, God called him to step in to, to senior pastor, lead pastor leadership. Of course, uh, when he called Kevin, he called Rhea and the family. Rhea, you make him so much better than he is. In fact, when he preaches, if you just stand back here, he would be better. That's just, that's just how it works. But, but God, has, God has done just great healing and giving life in that church and vision and doing amazing things. And so, Queen, I've been talking about it for a while and waiting for this moment. So 12 Stone, let's bring him up and give a homecoming welcome to Kevin Queen. Come on, brother. Come on, you never hate. You, you never got that when you were here. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, all the times you preach, you never got any of that. <laughs> and you're not going to get that when you go back up to Nashville. But today... Today, we get, to, we get to enjoy this uh, together. Now, listen, I know you still love the Bulldogs, Absolutely. right? So yes. we haven't lost any of that. Yeah, so we're clear on that. But tell us a little something about what you love in Nashville. Just give us something that you love about yeah, that place as a family. Is, it is Music City, so we love that. And hot chicken. We love the hot chicken, too. <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been great. Nashville is growing like crazy. It's like one of the, se the seventh fastest-growing city in America. It is, um, man, there are 100 people that move to Nashville every single day. And so there's just a lot of people coming to town and a lot of people, so the growth, but then also the creativity. Um, they said with the growth that there are more cranes per capita in Nashville than anywhere else in America. Real? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a thing. And, uh, and there are more creatives, uh, more hipsters in Nashville <laughs> than uh, So than you're fitting else. right in? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, man. But, uh, but there are a lot of dreamers. Reed talks about how so many dreamers come to the city. There's just this unity, like people helping one another fulfill their dream. And with, uh, with dreamers comes an openness to God. And, uh, and so it's just a real opportunity to meet people and reach people with the gospel. So it's been, yeah, it's been amazing. And God's doing great stuff with Crosspoint. Can, can you just give us something? To, just what's going on with Crosspoint or give us a thought, a good story, just yeah. th what's encouraging to you? There's, it's just it's amazing church, wonderful staff, just great people. But uh, what we're seeing is God just stir. We talk about revival and God bringing revival to a city. And we just believe we're on the, on the front end of a, of a move of God. 
And, uh, and so that, that comes through prayer, but that also comes um, just one person at a time. When God revives a church and he revives a city, he does that through reviving people one person at a time. And, uh, and baptism is such a beautiful picture of that because um, baptism, like normally people get baptized one at a time. I mean, it's rare that multiple people get in the tub. It's like <laughs> one at a time. And it's just well, one life change at a time. And so um, there's, I can't remember a weekend that went by that there wasn't somebody who received Christ or got baptized, even when they weren't planning on it that morning when they woke up. And it's just uh, to see that, that kind of move just feels real special. And Isn't that beautiful? So, yeah, That's beautiful. Good. Well, man, you brought a word already, and, and we're ready for it. I want to pray for us, church. Mm-hmm. This, God, this, I, I, I've heard the teaching already, and Father, there is an anointing. So first I want to say, God, let your anointing contain the rest of my brother. Let him bring the word that you put in his soul and in his spirit. Holy Spirit, would you be the teacher today? And now for all of us, receive this prayer. And you, you just tell the Lord, Lord, I receive what you have for me today. I open my, my heart, I open my mind, I open up my eyes. God, help me to understand you more deeply, walk with you intimately. And for any of us, God, who don't know you, may, may this be our awakening. So anoint this time dedicated to you for your honor and glory in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, PK. Well, um, it's just a real honor to be here. Yesterday morning, I woke up and I was kind of processed. Like, there's just a lot of emotion, like coming back home like this and uh, just being with you. And so I was like, Lord, would you give me an anchor, anchor verse? And I go through a Bible reading plan and it just so happened that he had a plan for the verse for that day. And he answered my request and he gave me a verse. Really, it's two. It's Romans 1, 10 and 12, 10 through 12. And uh, that's three verses, actually. But let me give it to you. It says, one of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. And when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I just, you've already done your part. Like you've already encouraged us. You've already encouraged our hearts. And I hope to be able to encourage you today. Um, it's been two and a half years since we've been back with you. We got a, uh, I'll give you a picture, kind of an update with the family. This is the tribe. It's the crew. My wife, Ree, and uh, my girls, Raleigh, Camden, Durham, and Bolton. Yeah. And uh, they are 16, 14, 12, and 10. And, uh, and Ree is beautiful as ever, isn't she? I mean, she's amazing. And the girls are looking more and more like their mama every day. And uh, the girls always dress like that. They do whenever we get, no, I'm just kidding. That was homecoming. <laughs> that was homecoming. Since this is homecoming, thought I'd bring that, uh, that picture. And it's just so proud of the way that they have navigated transition. Because when we left, we left 12 stone. Like that was one of the hardest parts of following God's call there is because we left, we left our family. We left our friends we left a church that we loved dearly, and so that transition, that was, that was difficult. See, our, our roots here, 14 years of 12 stone, but our roots in Gwinnett County go deep. Um, as a family, I, uh, I, we had took a picture about a year ago that I want to show to you just to kind of prove how deep our roots go. Um, this, is, uh, this is my wife, Ree, and I. So Ree and I went to Central Gwinnett. We graduated Central Gwinnett. My mom and dad went to Central Gwinnett. My brother and his wife went to Central Gwinnett. My sister and her husband went to Central Gwinnett. That's just creepy. That just, that's just, <laughs> say what you want. That's one of those pictures you take and you're like, I'm not sure I'm ever going to show this to anybody in my life. And I'm like, I'm only going to share it with close friends. So there you go, right? <laughs> so our roots go deep. And then when we moved to Nashville, like in a moment, everything changed. 
Like in a moment, everything changed. Like one day, after that day, everything changed. Or city changed. A new city, a new church, new house, new neighborhood, new, new relationships, new schools for the kids, new ball team for the kids, new gym. Like everything was new. And, and if, you've, if you've been through a move like that, maybe, maybe you know. Like how many, of you are, how many of you are from here? How many of you are from here? Okay. How many of you moved here from somewhere else at all the campuses? Just look around. So you, you know, like you know in that kind of move, there's just a vulnerability of the soul. Like in one day, you're, just, you're, you're vulnerable in a way that you weren't before stepping into that unfamiliar space. I mean, it's like every day you feel like that middle schooler walking into the cafeteria with the tray wondering, do I have a place to sit? Will you make room for me to sit? Can, is there anywhere where I, where I belong? If you've been through that kind of transition, you know that kind of that space of where do I belong? And that's why we're in this series as we're talking about what it means to belong to a family. What it means as a church to say to the community, to say to those around us, there's a space for you here. We'll make room for you here. And so we're talking about in the series what it means to belong. But today I want to talk about what it means that you belong to God. What it means that you belong to God. And moving to Nashville, I got to town and I didn't, like one thing when you move to a new city, you don't know how to get anywhere. And so I was having coffee with a new friend named Ben and Ben, ben told me, he said, Kevin, he said, if, if, if you want to learn the town, if you want to learn the city, then you can't use GPS. Because if you use GPS, you'll never learn the streets. That's the dumbest advice I ever got in my life. <laughs> I was lost all the time. There was one night, about a month in, we were driving, and we are driving as a family, had the whole family in the car, and I'm lost again, and I just yelled out, I was like, I don't know where I'm at, and I don't know where I'm going. And Camden, 12-year-old in the back seat, she said, in life or just in the car right now? <laughs> I was like, yes, in life and in the car right now. And if you've ever been in a transition, you know what it's like, because sometimes in transitions, you can get lost. Sometimes in transitions, you can lose your way. And there are many different transitions, not just moving to a new city, but you can start a new job, you can get a new role, you can have a new responsibility. You can be in a transition in family. Maybe you went from dual income and no kids to now having a kid and no income, right? <laughs> or maybe you're transitioning to, into retirement or transition to empty nest. And transitions in life can be the hardest part. Maybe midlife, midlife crisis is a transition. Don't point. This is not time to point, but, <laughs> but we, go through all, we go through all different kinds of transitions. And in transitions, we can lose our way. I read about how farmers in the Northeast, what they would do with a whiteout, when they heard that a whiteout, that a blizzard, that a storm was coming, they would take a rope and they would run it from the, from the house to the barn. And they would do that because with a whiteout, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. And the reason they ran the rope is because if they wanted to get to the barn, they had to hold on to the rope. Because what happened, if there was no rope, people could get lost in their own backyard. And they could freeze to death in their own backyard. It's scary to think that you could die in your own backyard. But something in us dies when we lose our way. And that's why in transition, we have to hold on to the rope. And as a family, we held on to the rope. In that transition, we held on to the rope of God's promises. We held on the rope of God's, of God's peace. We held on the rope of God's word and to his truth. 
Re, when we got there, Re started putting scripture up on the walls. She'd like get the scripture of framing. She put scripture all, but it wasn't, it wasn't decoration, it was desperation. Because <laughs> we were holding on to truth. We are holding on to God's word. There was one scripture that we got, we got framed up, actually printed on a canvas, and we put it up, and it was Isaiah 61.7, and it said, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance, and so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. And when we read that verse, the words just jumped off the page and into our hearts. We're like, that's our verse. Because we're believing that God has an inheritance for us here. We believe that God has a double portion for us here. And so we prayed for the double portion. And we held on to that verse. We held tightly to it. We held on to truth. Because it's in transition that people usually do one of two things. They either run toward God or run from him. And this is why it's a relevant word for us today. Because there are three types of people listening to this message. Those who are going through a transition right now, those who just went through a transition, and those who have a transition coming around the corner. So this relates to all of us. It's not for the person sitting in the other seat next to you, it's the person sitting in your seat. So let's talk about the word that God has in a transition. Isaiah chapter 43, through the prophet Isaiah, God gives a word to the nation of Israel who were, they were in a transition. They were in a foreign place. They were in a vulnerable place, unfamiliar streets, unfamiliar faces, an unfamiliar place, and God gives them this word. I want us to look at it together. Isaiah chapter 43, we'll pick up in verse one. It says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you. I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. That's a great word. God gave those verses. He gave those words to the nation of Israel. And he gave those words. He gives those words to you. He gives that word to you. And that, that word begins with two words. The two words are but now. Now, but now is a transitional phrase. It's how we transition from chapter 42 to chapter 43. It's a transitional phrase that says a transition is coming. It's how we go from the old chapter to the new chapter. We get to the new chapter with a word from the Lord. That's how God changes chapters in our lives, the word from him. And some of us are stuck in an old chapter in our lives because we're listening to old voices. Some of us are stuck in old chapters in our life when God says, do you not perceive it? I want to do a new thing, but a new thing comes with a new word. And God gives a new word to his people and the word for his people. He's saying, I want you to listen to my voice. And I think some of us are stuck in life because we're listening to other people's voices. We're listening to what other people, what's he saying and what's she saying and what are they saying? We're listening to voices and we rummage around online in the opinions of others, trying to find our worth and trying to find our value, trying to find our significance. But God's saying, I want to give you a new word because there's a new chapter coming. 
And so if you need a new chapter in that transitional phrase, the transition happens with a word from the Lord. And God gives this word. He tells his people, you belong to me. Now you belong to me. That's the word today. That's the word that God has for you. He looks at you. He holds your face in his hands and he says, you belong to me. That's a good word. Because if you belong to God, that means you don't belong to that addiction. You belong to God, that means you don't belong to depression. You belong to God, that means you don't belong to that person who hurt you. You belong to God means you don't belong to debt. You belong to God. He looks at you and he says, you belong to me. See, he tells us in this passage, he says, I'm the one who formed you. I'm the one who made you. You're a people that I formed for myself. You're, you're a people that I formed for my own glory. He says, you were made by God and you were made for God. You were made for, you're not some random collection of molecules. You're not some cosmic accident. You have been intentionally made on purpose and for a purpose. God said you were made by him and you were made for him. You were made for God. And I was trying to think, how can we communicate? How can we talk about this? How can I illustrate this? And I said, I know. We use a goldfish. So does anybody have a goldfish? <laughs> Some of you ladies with those big purses. I know you got everything, right? <laughs> anybody got a goldfish they can share with the room? Nobody? Nobody? Not like the kind you eat, but like just, those, just like a little swimming goldfish? All right, you got, there we go, right here. We got a goldfish. This is Charlie. Everybody say, hey, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Charlie's just hanging out with us today. They tell us that the average lifespan of a goldfish is like five years. We're just praying Charlie makes about five minutes, y'all. <laughs> and Charlie's swimming around in there, and by, by the looks of things, like everything's doing fine. Like Charlie's doing okay. Now, Charlie was made for water. Charlie was made for water. Now, if I want to communicate this in a way that would be memorable, a way that you would not forget, here's what I do. I take this little net, and I grab Charlie. Come on, buddy. And I get him, and I pick him up in this net, and I dump him on this table. Y'all don't worry. Charlie's still in the water. Y'all looking all scared. <laughs> I dump Charlie on the table, and I can see the future. You know what would happen? Charlie would lay there, and he'd go, and then he'd start flip-flop, flipping, flipping, flopping, flipping, flopping around. And then he would go off the table and he'd go to the, take a long fall. And if he survived the fall, he'd go. <laughs> like, that's really what he would do. <laughs> this is Charlie 2, Charlie 1, I just had to say. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing, y'all. He's messing. But we all know what would happen. Somebody in the room would like go and you would see Charlie. He's like, I gotta save him. And you'd be the hero and you'd run and you'd dive and you'd pick him up and you'd go, you take him and you put him back in the water. You'd rescue the day and everybody would be so proud of you. And then somebody, so like people would write emails to PK about how we were cruel to goldfish and Peter would file a lawsuit. And I mean, they would all go down because, because of that moment. So I decided not to take him out. But what we all know is that Charlie was made for water. And you were made for God. You were made for God. You were made for a relationship with him. 
And we can look at this and say, well, Charlie, if you just get outside the bowl, that's where freedom is. Like freedom and life is outside the bowl, and that's what the enemy tells us. When life is found in what we were created for. God says, you are a people that I made for myself, for my own glory. And life is found in that relationship with him. It's through knowing him. And some of us are more concerned about Charlie than we are our own souls. Like I say, I made you for myself. Now, here's the thing. I can take Charlie with me a lot of places. We can travel together. I can take him over here. That's a transition. I can take him over here. That's another transition. I can take him to Nashville. I can take him to Lawrenceville. I can take him to Mogadishu. I don't know where that is. <laughs> Somalia. Don't write me a text message, right? <laughs> I can take Charlie a lot of places in the world. I could show you the world. <laughs> Shimmer. I don't know the rest of it, but like. But you know, Charlie could survive a lot of transitions, but the one transition that Charlie couldn't survive is outside of this bowl because he was made for water. And you were made for God. And you belong to God, and prayer is the benefit of belonging. Prayer is like oxygen for the soul. This conversation with God. When we talk about prayer, we're talking about this continual awareness of his presence. When Paul says, pray without ceasing, he's just like, be aware of God's presence all the time. Talk to him, listen to him, look for him, read the scriptures, worship, pray for one another. This continual prayer, being rooted in prayer, it's like oxygen for the soul. And I'm going to tell you, if you took prayer away from my life, I'd be like a fish out of water. I don't know if I'd survive. And God's been teaching me a lot about prayer through this transition because it's in transition that God teaches us how to trust. In transition, God teaches us how to trust and in transition, God teaches us how to pray. He's teaching me how to pray. He teaches me how to pray privately when it's just me. He teaches us to pray as a family. He teaches me how to pray with others. And one thing he showed me is how powerful it is when you get a couple people together to pray. Like just two or three other. Jesus said, if two or three people get together in my name, I'm showing up. Jesus is like, I'm not missing that party. And I think Jesus loves two or three people getting together to pray because he's like, I can get a word in. Like, I like a smaller group. And so when we get together and pray, Jesus shows up. And so there's a group of guys where we started getting together to pray. On Saturday mornings, we get together and we run together and then we pray. We run a few miles and get to this church in downtown Franklin where we run, to get, where we run there and then we pray at that church and then we run back. And, uh, and when we get this church, this church is like, it was built in like 1837 and it's like really old and, uh, and they, they leave it open all the time. The story is that when they built the church, they took the keys to the church and took it down to the river and threw the keys in the river to say that church is always gonna be open. It's like a Waffle House of churches. It's like 24 seven. And so with me and these three other guys, we go together and we pray and we don't do that because I'm a pastor. We do that because we're human. Because I'm a human. And I'm gonna tell you, something happens when we pray with some other people or you just sense like I belong to God. I belong here in this space. We belong together seeking him. It's the benefit of belonging. And so the word is that you, you belong to God. You belong to God. God says in this passage, I'm going to turn you back to the scripture. He gives us this word in verse one where he says, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name and you are mine. 
When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. See, two things come, after, come by belonging to God. And the two truths that we take hold of is that you are not alone and you're not on your own. When you're in transition, the lie that the evil one wants to give you is you're all alone and you're on your own to figure this out. What he says is, when you pass through the waters, I will be... Okay, let's try it again. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. God's saying, I will be with you. He gives the promise of his presence. Jesus, the final promise, he said, he says, I will be with you always, even to the end. Jesus is saying, I will be with you. It's the promise of the presence of God. But in transition, that's when we feel lonely. I was talking with a, with a counselor friend, and I said, man, what's the most common thing you deal with? He said, without a doubt, loneliness. He said, 100% of the people who sit in my office are dealing with loneliness. They just don't know what to call it, or they don't want to admit it. He said, loneliness is an epidemic in our day. Loneliness. And so we all deal with loneliness, but the truth is, although we feel lonely, we, we're never alone. We're never alone. God says, I am with you. The problem with loneliness, UCLA did a study and they found that loneliness causes the same, um, triggers the same reaction in the brain as pain. It's pain. And here's why that's important, because when we feel pain, what do we do? We try to do anything but feel the pain. And so that's why we binge watch Netflix. That's why we drink too much. That's why we, like retail therapy is a thing. Go to Target. Eat donuts. Like, there ain't nothing wrong with eating donuts. Just Krispy Kreme can't make enough to fill the soul. They just can't. Because our hearts were made for God. Augustine said, our hearts were made for God, and it's impossible to find rest until our souls find rest in thee. Like that's, the, that's what we were made for. And so God says, I give you my presence. He says, I am with you. I give you my presence. I am with you. I'll never leave you. I am with you. And, and so in those moments when we feel lonely, we, we feel the feeling, and then we tell ourselves the truth. We feel the feeling, and then we tell ourselves the truth. We feel the feeling, loneliness, and then we tell ourselves the truth. God says, I am with you. And when God, when we ask God, God, would you fill me with your presence? Would you fill me with your power? Would you fill me with your love? Would you fill me with your spirit? So we feel the feeling. We tell ourselves the truth. And then you know what we do? We get some other people around us. Because as amazing as the presence of God is in our lives, God loves us through other people too. And one way we receive God's love is through some other people, through some trusted friends. Maybe you're saying, well, I need friends like that. That's why we've been talking about church as a family, but we have to take that next step to get into a group, find some trusted friends. And if you need friends, just pray for them because God has a lot of connections. He knows a lot of people. But what you're praying for is what you're looking for and what you're looking for you tend to find. Dr. Dan Riley gave me that word. And so when you're praying for friends, you're looking for them. My daughter Camden, she started praying for friends. She's like, God, I need friends. We moved to a new city. We're praying. And she said, God, I want a best friend. So we started praying with Camden. God, would you give Camden a best friend? And so we started praying. We prayed for a year. We didn't find one. And so we're still holding on. God, would you give a best friend? Then we moved to a new house. We rented for a year, and then we moved down to Franklin. And when we got to Franklin, we got to a new neighborhood. We got to a new neighborhood, got introduced to a friend, to another family, and started talking with that family. Found out they had some daughters in our neighborhood. Camden met the daughters, and she found a best friend. God answered that prayer. Now, 
the daughters are twins. So now she has two best friends. We were driving in the car. We were talking about how God answered that prayer for a year and Camden in the back. She said, they're my double portion. (laughs) But the new chapter begins with a new word. And God gave the new word and she held to it. And God said, you're not alone and you're not on your own to figure this out. See, that's the other lie is that you're on your own. The lie is you're on your own to figure this thing out. And what it says in that passage, it says, we'll go through it. Remember, he says, you'll go through the fire. You'll go through the waters. You'll go through the rivers. The problem is we don't want to go through it. We want to go over it. We don't want to go through it. We want to go around it. We don't want to go through it. We want to fast forward. But there is no fast forward in faith. We go through it. And God says, as you go through it, I am with you. In other words, you don't have to figure it out on your own. The lie of the evil one is you got to figure it out. You're holding that newborn transition. You're going, what do I do now? The lie of the evil ones, you got to figure this out on your own. God says, no, you're not on your own. You got that new job sitting at the desk. You're like, what do I do now? God says, you're not on your own to figure it out. I'm with you. I remember there's a mantra that I started saying when I started a new job, new role, new position, new opportunity. I remember I was saying, I started saying this. I started saying this over and over. God, you called me to it. You'll see me through it. You might want to write that down because whatever God calls you to, he will see you through. And some of you are in it right now, and you're going through it. Maybe he called you to be a teacher, or maybe he called you to take a new job, new position. Maybe he called you, and you're in a family situation that you don't know. If he called you to it, he'll see you through it. Maybe you're going through cancer right now, something physically. You need to know, if he called you to it, he will see you through it. You're not alone, and you're not on your own. But the lies of the evil one, the lies of the evil one, especially at night, Three o'clock in the morning, I would get where I would wake up and I would be so, I'd be so filled with fear because I was like, I don't know what to do. There was a situation at work and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And the lie the evil one gave me is, Kevin, you're going to fly this thing into a mountain. And he would give that to me often and pretty soon I started to believe it. And I would say, he would say, you're going to fly this thing into a mountain. And then I would say, I'm going to fly this thing into a mountain. And I'd start to think at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to fly this thing into a mountain. It would, I would wake up at 3 a.m. I don't know why it was always 3 a.m., but at 3 a.m. I wake up. I'm going to fly this thing into a mountain. And one night, God came to me, and I whispered in my spirit. He said, Kevin, I move mountains. And I don't know what mountain you're up against right now, but you need to know we have a mountain-moving God. And you hold on to truth in the transition because he is with you. You're not alone and you're not on your own. And you keep praying. Keep praying. Don't give up. Keep praying. Get your couple people together and say, will you pray with me? And God's not looking for professional prayers. He's just looking for children. He's just looking for sons and daughters that would come to him and pray. And that's why we get together and we run on Saturdays and we pray. And when we run, we talk about what pressure we're carrying. We talk about our problems. We talk about and when we get done running, we pray. I like it when we talk because we run slower when we talk. <laughs> and so we're talking on the way there. And these guys are talkers and we all have pressure. I and mean, some one's an author and one's a one's in a pharmacist and one's it sells insurance. So we've all got pressure and we'll talk about it. Just different pressure. And we got to uh, we got to the church. Um, 
couple weeks ago, and I experienced something I've never experienced in my life. We get to the church, and when we get to the church, we go to this little courtyard, and this cobblestone courtyard, and we do push-ups, 50 push-ups. There's nothing spiritual about that. We're just dudes. One day we started doing it. So we do push-ups, and we went to do push-ups that day, and instead of doing push-ups, we look up, and there are these two trees, these two huge trees. And we look up at these trees with these green leaves, and leaves are just falling. And I'm not talking about like one and two. I'm talking about all the leaves falling off the trees. It looked like this. One of the guys took a video. Like they're just all falling off. It's like the leaves got together and say, ready to fall? Okay, let's go. And so, I mean, they're all, and the leaves are falling. And we're just looking. We're like, what in the world is going on? It was, it was like 7.30 in the morning, and so the sun's coming through, and it was so quiet. You could just hear them hitting the ground like rain. We're like, this is crazy. We're looking up, and Justin, Justin talks a lot, but Justin was looking up, and he was going, Justin, we knew it was an act of God if Justin wasn't talking. And in that moment, he's looking up. He's like, what? And so everybody's just, it was just this awe and wonder of like, what is that? It felt like we were in Narnia. I was looking for a talking squirrel or Mr. Tumas or something. I'm like, what is, what is happening right now? And I was like, I want to get my boys. Like, I want my boys to experience this. I want to go get my boys and bring them back here. So my boys have to experience this. And I felt like God saying, my spirit, Kevin, that's how I felt. Because the whole time you were running, I wanted you to experience this. I went back and got my boys, brought them back. And two hours later, this is what we saw. Like, what in the world? So I went to the Google. <laughs> and I was like, Mr. Google? What tree loses all of its leaves in one day? And Google said the ginkgo tree. There's one day out of the year that all the leaves fall. And a two-hour window. And it was like God orchestrated that whole thing because he's like, I want you to see this. And I'm telling you, there was such peace, such awe, such wonder in that moment. And when I read this verse from Isaiah, since you were precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. Like that's why we got to experience the leaves, God saying, because I love you. And he says the same thing to you. You were precious and honored in my sight because I love you. That you would have eyes to see the moments that God has created for you. He said, it's because I love you. You're precious and honored to me. It's because I love you. So I've been playing with this idea of what would it be like to live under the ginkgo tree? Just every day. What would it be like to preach under the ginkgo tree? What would it be like to do family under the ginkgo tree? What would it be like to parent? What would it be like to live in that place? That awareness of God's presence and his power. We can. It's called prayer. And when scripture says pray without ceasing, he said, I want you to live with a continual awareness that I am with you, that you're not alone, that you're not on your own, and you belong to me. And so I want to pray for you. I believe there are some who are here who you've never received the relationship with God. You've never believed on Jesus Christ. When it says in that passage, it says, I've redeemed you. Redeemed means purchased, that you've been bought with a price. Because Jesus gave his life on the cross, you can be made right with God. 
you can enter into that relationship. If you've never said yes to that relationship, it would be my joy, my honor to lead you in a prayer where you receive that relationship. You're made right with God. You receive forgiveness and his grace. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer for that. And then the second prayer would be for those among us who would say they're in a transition right now. I wanna pray for you. So we bow our heads and our hearts together. Father, thank you for your work. Thank you for how you draw us to yourself. And I pray for those right now that by your spirit you're drawing them to yourself who have never put their trust and their faith in Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you bring conviction to their heart? Would you give them the courage that they need? Would you give them the grace to say yes to you? So if that's you, if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, then you just pray a prayer like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Right now, I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. I give you my life. You belong to me, and I belong to you. Thank you for saving me. If you made that your prayer is the most significant prayer that you'll pray, it's how you enter into that relationship. So Father, I pray for those who have made that their prayer. I pray that you would strengthen their faith, that you would pour out your spirit on their hearts. I pray that they would walk in that communion with you. And Father, that you would use their life to reveal your goodness and your glory, that they would find their purpose in you, their hope in you, and fulfill the calling that you've given to them. And so now I wanna pray for those who are in transition. If you're in transition, you say, I, I need a prayer. I need that prayer. I wanna I want be included on this. Would you just lift up your hand? In any kind of transition in your life, if you just take that hand and you put it over your heart, And it says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Father, I ask that you would pour out your spirit of prayer, that you would demonstrate in their hearts, that you would teach how to trust in you, that you give them a new word for this season, a word to hold on to. And God, I pray that through their faith that they would see you pour out your favor. God, that you would give them moments that they can't forget that have because I love you attached. And Lord, would you demonstrate would you demonstrate your love for them in ways that they maybe can't explain, they can't deny? And God, that in this transition that you would be glorified and that you would give them your double portion. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You're here right now. May faith rise. Yeah, the 
Yeah, come on. Sing this. Even when I don't see any word. Come on. Yeah. You never sigh. You never sigh. Come on, yeah. Yeah, let your faith rise in this place today. Come on. Even when I don't see it to work, even when I don't feel it to work, never sign. Claim. 